welcome to Safe Inside, brought to you by Theratribe. I'm Jeremy Loomis, and these are my conversations with Sandra Fields, an LPC and certified clinical trauma treatment provider with over 35 years experience helping people who have been through trauma. Welcome back to Safe Inside. This is the podcast brought to you by Thera Tribe. We've been talking about epigenetics, and today we're going to talk about reconnection after trauma, getting into being sociable and connecting with others again. Sandy, where do you want to take us? Well, I think, you know, as we talk about um, reconnecting after trauma, and we think about trauma itself, I think it's probably important to think about the fact that all of our relationships mirror relationships that we have with ourselves and it goes both ways so like teens learn to take care of themselves the way they've been taken care of for instance and they're better able to trust others forgive others and respect others if they are able to treat themselves the same way um, same thing for all of us so we've talked a lot about the um, toll i guess the significant toll that traumatic events take on our bodies ability to manage stress, sometimes the hardest part to overcome is the effect it has on the relationship with ourselves, with others, and on our, on our identity. We, we can really develop some identity issues. So those of us who've experienced trauma in the past, helping, our, helping to us to build a relationship with ourselves after trauma is key to developing healthy relationships and coping mechanisms going forward. Uh, never can pronounce his name correctly. And so I hope everyone will, will um, at least accept my apology. But uh, trauma specialist Gabor Mate, he says that trauma is not about what happened to you, but that trauma is the disconnection from yourself that happened as a result of whatever the stressor was, which is a slightly different way of saying what those of us who work in trauma say, which is, Trauma is not what's wrong with you, it's what's happened to you. Uh, Dr. Matei takes it further to, it is that disconnection um, that from ourselves that happened as a result of what happened to us. The defense I've, also heard him, I've also heard him say, we don't respond to what happens. We respond to our perception of what happens. That's exactly right. That is most exactly right. And, and it really is, actually what trauma is. And we don't say that a lot because we don't ever want to invalidate someone's experience. You know, if you are beaten up by somebody, we don't want to go, well, it wasn't the beating up, it was your perception that it was bad. However, it is our perception to that level because we perceive that as being life-threatening or very dangerous or that we were in harm. That is the definition of trauma is the perception that either ourselves or someone that we care about will be harmed or killed that is and i would and i would even add you know the the being beaten up that's objectively bad yes however yes. that's multiplied if you come away believing you deserved it right so it's all around that perception right um and for children you know because of their their developmental stages they believe that everything in the world that happens is because of them we call that, that word for that is egocentrism. And they don't really outgrow that until they're, you know, 
upper elementary school age. They, they start out growing it at five and six, but they don't really get out of it uh, too much till they're like teenagers. Technically, I do know some adults who haven't outgrown that yet, and they might develop something like narcissism personalities or narcissistic personality disorder, but um, they believe that everything happens because of them. If we all know that if parents divorce when kids are little, the kids believe it's their fault. Same thing happens if children are traumatized, their perception is they deserve that, this is their fault. And so, of course, we can do that as adults too. Um, so it is around that perception makes it exponentially worse sometimes. The defense mechanisms that we developed to deal with our trauma uh, result from us trying to create kind of a false self whose value depends on what other people think of us as a form of self-protection. This happens to people um, who have been traumatized as children. However, when we see our false self, we see that that value is, is dependent on what other people thinks of us. This then reinforces things like self-sacrifice, self-doubt, and self-sabotage. And a lot of us recovering from trauma, we might experience those things because this is what we've learned as a defense mechanism. So as we talked about in our other episodes, trauma always affects all areas of our lives, not just this area. So it's not just about the memories of the traumatic events. It's about those messages that we've internalized about why those events happened and how they shape our sense of self, just like we were talking about, Jeremy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it is around that perception. Um, even though objectively beating someone up is a bad thing, being beaten up is definitely bad, but why it happened and how it shapes our sense of self makes a big difference in whether or not we develop PTSD or complex PTSD. Um, so if we are abused as children and or teens because we don't already have a formed identity and a formed relationship with ourselves in the world, it can impact us greater around that relationship to ourselves and others. Because if we have been abused as children or teens, we will tend to have more difficulties with self-awareness more difficulties with emotion regulation, more difficulties with decision-making. And obviously, I mean, as many of you probably have already realized, more difficulties with the identity formation because that's during a transitional phase of, of their lives, right? So, you know, when, when we are traumatized, some of the definitions of trauma, we don't talk about, we say trauma, we say trauma, we say trauma, but we don't always talk about all of the, the associated things that underlie trauma. There's a feeling of helplessness that's endemic in trauma. Uh, one of the things about trauma treatment that is uh, so highly important, and I tell my clients that they get all the voice and choice that, they, that I can possibly help them, them have. I try to empower them uh, and they empower themselves to have as much voice and choice because the one thing about trauma is this is not something that we would ever choose. And we had no say in it. It took away our voice and our choice because we were, we were feeling helpless. And that is the nature of trauma. And because trauma happens interpersonally, 
It's someone, it's a person traumatizing someone else. Trauma happens interpersonally. There is a huge loss of trust in people. Um, they're, they're, after trauma, it's really hard to truly trust people. At the same time, because we are perceiving trauma to happen through something that we did or didn't do, there is a deep feeling of shame and a deep feeling of, of uh, guilt. And to put that in perspective, we talk about children, but let me put it in perspective around adults with a, with a couple of good examples. So if a, a woman is sexually assaulted, she's out at Walmart, it's 9.30 at night because Walmart stays open late, she's out, she comes out in the parking lot and some stranger grabs her and sexually assaults her. The first thing people, a lot of people will say is, what were you doing out there at 9.30 at night after dark by yourself? What were you wearing? You know, how were you walking? Were you walking self-confidently to your car? You know, these kinds of things. And some of these things are things that women have to do in our society, unfortunately, to stay as safe as we possibly can. But whether we do that or not, the reason that she was raped was because a rapist raped her. That's what happened. But she might perceive that she was out at Walmart at 9.30 at night. She wasn't paying attention, uh, all of these things. So therefore, it was her fault. Now, we all know that that's not true, but she would maybe internalize that this was her fault and so feel guilt and shame. So I wanted to bring that down to something that we've all talked about recently, or you know, I hear the conversation going on around what women wear and and should they be allowed, you know, be able to go out at night by themselves and, and the difference reframe, you know, I, I, there's a meme going around right now on social media and it says, you know, um, isn't it ridiculous that a woman thinks that she, she's got a friend on FaceTime, she'll stay safe. And the response to that is, isn't it ridiculous that we live in a society where a woman has to feel like she has to keep her friends on FaceTime because she can't walk safely down the street. So it's not her fault. The society can frame it around that way, but we can internalize that if it happens. Um, some other things that happen around trauma, which this next one, doubting your own memory. I cannot tell you how many times I've had clients say, I happened this way, but maybe I'm making it up. I see it this way in my head, but maybe I'm making it up. I have literal scars from this trauma, but maybe I'm making it up because we don't want it to have happened. We don't want to admit this really bad thing happened to me and I was helpless to stop it. So we have these feelings of that we're, we're doubting our, our own memories. We sort of gaslight ourselves. Trauma can also cause a cynical worldview. Um, so, you know, everybody's out to get you. Um, everybody just out there for their own selves, this cynical worldview, because that's what the world is taught. There's also a fear of perceived abandonment, which is very common, especially with people who have been traumatized as children and teens. Um, like I said about the woman at Walmart, as an example, many trauma survivors will take too much responsibility for the events that occurred when it wasn't their fault at all. And then they internalize that and say to themselves that maybe they deserve the experience. And then it's really difficult 
to separate the current self from the traumatic self. And there's usually a piece in trauma treatment where the client has to step through no longer seeing themselves as a trauma, quote, victim. They have to see themselves as someone living their current life. And who is that self? And that is a major pivotal moment a lot of times in, in treatment because it's so trauma so affects our sense of identity and our relationship with ourselves. Um, you know, we all, we all spend almost a lifetime, it feels like, determining who we are, who we want to continue to grow to be, where we fit in, where we don't fit in. You know, we're establishing an identity that is separate from our parents, it's separate from everybody else. Who are we? That is the ultimate question of life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what happens after we die? That that's, sums up all the philosophers from all the ages. <laughs> Those are the three penultimate existential questions, right? Who am I? Why am I here? And what happens after I die? And this is, when you have been traumatized, this particular, these particular questions become more difficult to, to answer. Um, so in order to develop a, a healthy relationship with ourselves, and then therefore be able to develop healthy relationships to others, we need to recognize that these are pieces of trauma or trauma expressions in our lives, and then be very intentional about how we change it. Um, you know, first of all, most trauma survivors that I work with don't, they're not even able to, to know their basic needs. Um, I have had a client who she really could not tell when she was hungry and when she wasn't hungry. She wasn't ever taught to pay attention to her body. And so she would either eat too much or she would go, you know, a whole day without eating and then not feel well and couldn't figure out what was happening. Um, her illnesses were invalidated. And so she, whenever she gets sick, she, she has finally realized it's not just always allergies, that maybe sometimes she has a cold or the flu or a stomach virus um, and that she's not just asking for attention um, so she pays attention to those things now, um, you know, so, so finding out what our basic needs are, are very important. Um, you know, if you've experienced trauma, you might be afraid of going to sleep, and yet we all need sleep, but sleep can be nightmares, or sleep could have been the time that you were attacked. I don't know. It could be any of those, right? Or it could just be that you're afraid of the dark, but sleep can be hard to have, and yet we need to be aware of our basic needs. Um, so recognizing your needs, encouraging ourselves to separate from the events that happened to us, right? These are events that happened, they're events that occurred. The way that we responded to these events are not our faults. So we work to take back control of our lives. Um, you know, we, we do work to heal that inner child a lot of the time. And we create some personal goals. Now, I've said all that, and this is an episode on reconnecting with others. But I cannot reconnect with others if I don't have a healthy sense of self, or at least see myself. Now that said, full trauma healing, because trauma took place interpersonally, trauma healing needs to take place interpersonally. There is a relationship between client and their therapist, and that is part of that interpersonal connection that can help, that therapeutic bond 
can help with that healing, but it also has to take place in other relationships. So, you know, intimate uh, significant others, uh, our children, our friends, our social sphere, even our coworkers, our extended family, we reconnecting with people who are safe. I, I, as I say that, I, I recognize that some of those people in those groups may have been your abusers. They may or may not be safe to reconnect with, but those who are safe, I wanna be very clear on that. Um, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're trying to, to connect with them. So when you're thinking about connection, you know, we're thinking about setting healthy boundaries. That's usually a big thing that comes up. What, because if we tend to self-sacrifice and we tend to you know, be over-responsible for everybody around us as a survival skill, how do we let people just be people and be responsible for their own stuff while at the same time regulating our own emotions and, and then staying in that relationship and still staying connected? It's learning to be open to trust someone else um, and being in that relationship with them and, and being vulnerable. Brene Brown says that vulnerability is the bridge to all relationships. And she's right. Being in a relationship implies that you have to be somewhat vulnerable in order to connect at that level. And so vulnerability is that, that bridge or the key to, to true relationships. But if you've been traumatized, you don't really want to be very vulnerable with people sometimes. You have a lot of walls put up. Or conversely, you don't have enough walls up because childhood trauma, well, actually any trauma, can break your um, safety mechanism, so to speak. And part of trauma treatment is enhancing your safety. It's putting that, that safety mechanism sort of back together and, and welding it back in place so that you, you're not at higher risk of being victimized um, as so many who've been traumatized are. And I would add, you know, this might seem intimidating to even enter this process, but that's it's part of where it's important to recognize, um, you know, what are the small steps that you feel able to take? What is the tolerable next step? Because you don't have to do this all at once. Yeah, yeah take it a little bit at a time. There's always what you can tolerate. But find a safe friend, someone that you can just talk to. You don't have to talk about your trauma. You don't have to talk about your deeper childhood, anything, or your hopes or dreams. Talk about your day. Talk about how you're feeling in the here and now. That's being vulnerable. That's being genuine. And that's being authentic. But it's also a good first step in learning whether or not you can trust this person. Just share that little bit. Today, I'm feeling a little sad. When they say, hey, how are you? Don't just go, I'm fine. If you're not really, right? It's been a long day today. You know, and if they ask you what's going on today, tell them and see what happens and allow that person to at least have the opportunity to show you that they might be trustworthy to hold your relationship. That said, remember that people are people and that everyone is going to make a mistake sometimes. It doesn't mean necessarily that that person is untrustworthy unless it's like, you know, a, a hurt, like if they hurt you, if they abuse you, but if they just slip once in a while or something, know that people are people. And so what's your expectations too? It's another yeah. reconnection tool is making sure that you manage your expectations, that people aren't 
uh, Hallmark movie characters. They are genuine <laughs> with all the flaws and the strengths. Um, yeah. and, as you, and as you do that, look for their strengths and for yours. There is a school of thought that I actually kind of fall into that our weaknesses and our flaws are actually strengths that are misused, used inappropriately, or used at the wrong time, or used in the wrong way. So if you or other people in that relationship mess up sometimes, say the wrong things, or aren't there when you think that they should be and stuff, look to see what that strength might show and see if we can't enhance that. And that's another way of, of maintaining that connection. Um, and then I think there's, there's a couple of things that are also really important, especially for people who have experienced trauma in their life. And it's the understanding of the rupture and repair process. Um, the rupture and repair process is something that we don't hear a lot about, but it's highly important. So it's, it's um, literally the rupturing and repairing of, of a relationship. So it's an, the analogy is when, for instance, I'm lifting weights, the object of lifting weights, lifting weights itself doesn't actually make me have bigger muscles or stronger muscles. What happens is the lifting of the weights actually makes these microscopic tears throughout my muscles. And then through the repair process, my body creates more tissue and so my muscles get bigger and they get stronger. That's how weightlifting works. It's also how relationships work. So if someone does something that's hurtful, it's really imperative that people have experienced trauma learn how when that relationship is ruptured to have an intentional healthy repair process with, with someone. We may talk about that in a further episode in another episode, but that Rupture and repair process is highly important to be able to, to engage in, or at least be willing to try to engage in as you reconnect to people after trauma. So, yeah. And within that, as you, as you find the, the courage really to take some of these steps, um, recognize also that if you've gotten used to uh deflecting things like if you don't believe you're worth paying attention to if you don't think you're worth listening to you you may already be practiced at uh ignoring it when people do pay attention to you um you have to start paying attention to that uh if you're taking these steps i would say start paying attention to when people uh thought to ask you how you were doing if somebody compliments you on something start believing that hey maybe that's true maybe maybe this is a good thing about me because you you may be quite practiced at downplaying your own strengths for long enough that that you no longer have a container for holding those things um, when you get positive feedback from outside of yourself yes yes when you're when you're doing that remember that your first and most primary relationship is with yourself. So do watch yourself defeating speech in your head and give yourself some grace. And then if you make commitments to yourself, keep them and that will help you then make commitments to other people um, easier and, and follow through with that. Um, because until you learn to trust yourself, it's gonna be very, very hard for you to learn to trust other people 
Because if you don't see yourself as trustworthy, then how can you see other people as trustworthy? So that trust that's broken in trauma is, is the first piece to really work through either. But grace, lots of grace for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And if you need some help with that, again, professional help is always available. Find yourself a, a good therapist who can help you reconnect. Yeah, and if you're open to virtual therapy, then certainly we could be the first ones you reach for. We'd be happy mm -hmm. to, to speak with you about that. Absolutely. Um, I think that may do it for this episode, huh? I think so. I think so. I think our next one, we're going to look at the historical trauma uh, and the progress of trauma treatment throughout that. Probably starting around, around the end of the 1800s, probably. Mm, yeah, I look forward to that. Join us for that. So thanks for being here with us. We will talk with you soon. Goodbye. Okay,